it's good to be with you guys and, and it's good to be in the house of the Lord. And I believe that God has given me a message today that I really hope will encourage you. Because the truth is, is that today, um, you know, we are, we are Christianity and walking with God has been presented in many times as something that is, the only way to describe it is cheap. And that has nothing to do with tithing. <laughs> that has everything to do with, it's, it's just easy and it's, and, and you know, you come to God and all your problems will go away. No, God will help you through your problems. You know, and walking with God makes it easier because you experience life. You don't experience that outside of Christ. But once you have Jesus in your life, you begin to experience true life. You begin to experience the goodness and the mercy of God. And there are promises of blessings and prosperity and, 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 and wealth. And, and, and there's, there, are, there are promises of, of, of health and, and, and goodness and mercy and blessings for your children. And, and there's so many wonderful things in Scripture that are for us and, and absolutely should be taught. Because how many of you believe that God wants to bless you? I, I have, there's no question. In fact, the Bible tells us in Jeremiah, I know the thoughts I think towards you, says the Lord. And these thoughts, they are good. They are to prosper you. They are to bless you. God, that's His intentions and intent for us. There's no question about that. But each and every one of us, you know, we, we, we get saved. We begin to serve the Lord. And we find out that in this journey, we go through some stuff. You see, we all are called by God according to His purpose to get to a certain place. How many of you believe, and I hope all of you will agree, that God has a plan for each and every one of us. He has a path, a destination He wants to get us to. Unfortunately, I think many times we, we, kind, of, we kind of rear a little bit away from that and He gets us back on that path to get us to where He wants us to be. In order for us to get to where He wants us to be, we're going to have to change. And I've taught you this over the last few months, specifically the last few weeks, that God really does demand for us to not be the same as what we were before. You can be really good, but that doesn't make you like God. Because good and God are totally different. What's good in the eyes of the world is not good necessarily in the eyes of God. What many deem to be love in the eyes of the world is not love at all, actually. So, you know, we have to put things into perspective. How many of you believe that when you become a Christian, you should desire to be more like Jesus? Amen. Let me see you all raise your hands. How many of you believe that? I just want you to know if you didn't raise your hand, you're in trouble. Okay. Most of us agree that that's the truth. Now, the Bible actually clearly tells us this. In 1 John 2, verse number 6, it says, He who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he walked. So in order for us to abide in Christ, in God, I want you to know that our example is Jesus of what living for God really looks like. And in order for us to desire to live for God, we have to walk just as Jesus walked. Now, if we look at the life of Jesus, we see some really, from our perspective, positive things. We know that Jesus walked in great victory. Jesus overcame this world. That means that we too can overcome. Jesus walked in great power and authority. 
which means that as believers in Christ, we too have this power and authority that has been given unto us, right? We have authority and power to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. God has given us these things. But he also desires for us to walk in his love. Now that's a little bit more challenging. To become like Jesus, to love like Jesus loved, is not always so easy. And the way we see the Father's love in Jesus is his total surrender to purpose. His total surrender to his destiny. In other words, while Jesus was in those last three and a half years or whatever it was of his life, heading towards the cross, he didn't say, this is too hard, I'm going to give up now. While he was on his, at his last hour when he said, Lord, take this away from me, which we'll read in just a moment, he didn't say, listen, you know, I just, I need a two-month vacation. In my mind, it's just too much, you know. It's just, I'm going crazy. He didn't do that. He knew that there was a purpose, and he knew that he had to get there. And his sacrifice was, was total. He just totally sacrificed. Now, now, to attain that is almost impossible. But how many of you know we should strive to be like that? I'm not saying don't go on vacation. Guys, I just came back on a two and a half week vacation. It was wonderful and I needed it, okay? So it's not a bad thing. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that at no point was Jesus not willing to make sacrifice. And if we want to be in him and experience him as a Christian and walk in victory, you must understand that you as a Christian, you're going to go through some stuff. That's not always going to be so easy. And I think it's important that we talk about this because, you know, the truth is no matter what happens to you or no matter at what stage in your life you are, if you haven't been through something, you more than likely will go through something. And if you've been through something, you'll probably go through something again. We'll talk about this. Jesus was completely dedicated even when he felt like giving up. Take a look. Luke 22, verse 40. This is before Gethsemane. This is, before Gethsemane. This is when Jesus is he's, he's actually on the Mount of Olives. He's with his disciples. And this is what he says. When he came to the place, he said to them, pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw. And he knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if it is your will, and I love this because he's, look, he's desperate. If it is your will, take this cup from me. In other words, listen, what I'm about to experience, I know what's coming. And if it's your will, Lord, can you take it away from me? But he realizes what he's asking is not actually the will of the Father. So he realizes he can't do that. So he says, nevertheless, not my will. Because that's not really your will. I know what your will is. So he says, not my will, but your will be done. And we know what happens. Jesus gives his life completely for us on the cross. How many of you are grateful for that? I'm so grateful. Jesus says this to you and I, and we need to pay attention to this because it is important. Luke 9 verse 23. Then he said to them all, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself. Everybody say deny. That means you're not always going to get what you want. That means you have to change. You have to deny your fleshly desires. He says, and take up his cross daily. Everybody say daily. 
So this is not what happened to you the day you got saved, brother. This is a daily thing. Every day we have to do this, and the days we don't are going to be difficult days as well. Because the, the less you surrender to God, and the days you don't surrender, it's like, it's like you're surrendering to God, you're surrendering to God, you don't surrender, and you go back up. You like lose your, you lose your way. You, 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 there's more, you know, we said just now, more of you and less of me. Well, when you're not carrying your cross, it's actually more of you, me, and less of you. Are you with me? It's very easy for me to get up here and just preach prosperity, and I believe in prosperity. It's very easy for me to just speak healing, and I believe in healing. But I want you to know that there are times where you will not see a healing. There are times where you will not see breakthrough. There are times where you will go through things and not understand why you are going through things. You know, many times we raise our hands and say, God, why? Why is this happening? Why am I going through this? I can't take it anymore. I'm sure you've been there. I know I have multiple times. And I'll share a little bit of that with you this morning. The fact of the matter is, is that we have to lose our lives. In verse 24, he says, For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. You must understand, the more we give our lives to Jesus, the more he will actually reward us in this life and most definitely in the next. I've tried so hard as your pastor to teach you to not think only of this life. Because truly, the fact is, is most of what's in this earth stays here. Your, your spirit, your soul goes to heaven. You go to be with the Father. And when you get there, there's nothing that comes with you except your treasures, the people that you've affected, your, the things that, that you've done. Nothing else matters. Are you with me? So I want you to understand that denying yourself, going through things, is part of the Christian walk. Sorry to disappoint you. But you will go through stuff. And I want you to know that it's not God trying to punish you or God trying to kill you or God trying to hurt you. But how many of you are grateful that everything you go through, God is going to use it for your benefit? If you're in the world and you're going through hell, which they go through too, trust me, it's not working for them. It's not benefiting them. But for you, it benefits you. Is it good that it happened to you? No. But it can actually work in your favor, ultimately. And I'll prove that to you this morning. 1 Peter 2 verse 21 says this, For to this you were called. Are you ready? It's going to be great, right? Because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his footsteps. In other words, part of your destiny Part of your calling is to suffer. You will suffer in your life. They didn't tell you this, did you? Let's do an altar call right now. <laughs> and, and it's, you know, yes, I'm ready to suffer. It's hard, guys. Let's be honest. It's not always easy. Serving God. Remember, I taught you last week, Saturday night, for most of the saved people. I taught you if, if there are two parts, a narrow and a wide, 
You have to pick the path that you want to take. A lot of people will teach you today, it's all easy, Christianity is just, no, it's not. There's a narrow path. That's the choice. That's the path we have to take. And I want you to understand that on that narrow path, you're going to go through some stuff. But you have to overcome. You have to, you have to endure till the end. You have to finish the race. You have to run as though no matter what obstacles are in that path, you will continue to run. No matter what you go through, you will continue to go on. Is it fun? Is it nice? Does God want you to suffer? No, not at all. That's not at all what He wants. Remember, His ultimate for you is good, to bless, to prosper, all of that stuff. That's His plan for you. But in the journey to get you to become more like Christ, you will go through things and He will use it. He will use it to change you. He will use it to transform you. Now, let's take a look in Matthew 20, verse 20, at what His disciples said to Him. This is interesting. Two of his disciples, James and John, went to Jesus. Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to him with her sons. So Zebedee, his wife, and the two boys came to Jesus, kneeling down and asking something from him. And he said to her, what do you wish? And she said to him, grant that these two sons of mine may sit, one on your right hand and the other on your left, in your kingdom. And Jesus said, you do not know what you ask. Now watch, because most of us have this mentality. I want to do great things for God. I want to do great things on the earth. I want to leave a legacy. I want to do this, and I want to do that, and I want to achieve this, and you know, I want people to remember me, and da, 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 all this stuff. Most of us have that type of mindset, and she's no, not at normal at all. She's saying, listen, my, my sons, are, they're making sacrifice. They're serving you. Like, I want you to do one thing for them, you know? She, and he says, you do not know what you ask. Are you able to drink the cup that I'm about to drink and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? And of course, her, the reply was, we are able. We are able, Lord. We are willing I'll serve you with everything. I'll, whatever you want me to do, Lord, whatever you want me to say, more of you and less of me. And we, we, we're all willing, right? But Jesus is saying, listen, you don't really understand what you're asking me to do. If you want to be the greatest, you have to become the least first. If you want to achieve great things for the kingdom, you must understand that you're going to have to die. You're going to have to pay. It's going to be painful. It's going to be hard. Because if you say, Lord, change my, change my heart, do you realize what you're asking Him to do? Because changing your heart is not like with my wand. Ding! It doesn't work that way. Changing the heart means you have to go through stuff. And when you go through stuff, what's left there at the end, that's what your heart looks like. And the only way your heart changes is while you're going through it, while you're going through hardship, while you're being persecuted, while you're being attacked. That's when your heart begins to change. Yes, God can supernaturally touch you and your heart will respond to that touch. But your heart will only be tested to see whether it's really changed when you're going through something. So that's why she's, Jesus says to her, listen, you don't really realize what you're asking. And then the boys reply, we are able. Most of us, I mean, listen, if I could tell you the prayers I prayed to the Lord when I was a young man, 
so hungry for ministry, so hungry to be used by God, so passionate about the Lord. Man, I promised God I would, do, I would do anything. He could ask me, I would go anywhere. I would do anything. Now I'm like, I'll go most places. Just don't send me to China, you know. <laughs> There's a story about that. I don't have time to tell you about that. They say we are able. And so he said to them in verse 23, you will indeed drink my cup and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized. So he says to them, yes, you guys will experience this. And then he says, but to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give. But is, he says, it's not mine to give. And so we recognize that, that, that basically what he's saying is, listen, God will decide that. And the truth is, is that we're talking about two of the disciples and we don't know who will be at Jesus' right hand or left hand. That's not really that important, actually, okay? But what he wants you to understand is that, listen, if you really are serious about God and following Jesus, you will have to partake in his cup and in this baptism that he's talking about. Well, the cup he's talking about, we see in Luke 22, verse 40, where he says, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. What cup? The cup of suffering, the cup of persecution, the cup of rejection, this stuff that he had to go through. This is part of what he's talking about. He's not saying, listen, the glory, the fame, the money. He's not talking about any of that. He's saying, listen, if you want, if you want to be great in the kingdom, you're gonna have to go through some stuff. He speaks about a baptism. He's not talking about the baptism of water Yeah, He's talking in Luke 12, verse number 50. He says, but I have a baptism to be baptized with. And how distressed I am till it is accomplished. Jesus understood that he was going to go through extreme pain and suffering. And he was saying to his disciples, do you understand that what you are asking for, you will have to go through the same kind of suffering that I had to endure? Now, what makes you think as a disciple? Because believe it or not, Jesus did not call for converts. He called for disciples. He didn't say go into the world and make converts. He said go into the world and make disciples. That qualifies you as a disciple. And if you want to follow him, you will have to drink from his cup. It means you're going to go through some stuff. Let me, I remember when I was young, and last night I taught on the prophetic if you're interested in the prophetic, go listen to last night's message. I remember receiving prophetic words about my destiny when I was 19 years old, and I was very excited about it because they were really awesome. You know, God's going to do this, and God's going to do that. And in those prophetic words, there was very little about the stuff that I would have to endure. But I want to show you one individual in Scripture who, when he is called, is called in a very interesting way. How many of you think Paul was someone we should take note of in Scripture? I mean, if you're not going to be like Jesus, let's be like Paul. I mean, you know what I mean? He only wrote two-thirds of the New Testament outside of the Gospels. If there's anyone in the New Testament that really glowed in the dark, it was Paul. He was very anointed, very called by God, tremendous revelation, gave his heart. But take a look at when he's called into what he is called. When he has his encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus, we know that he's blind and he goes and he prays at a place and God comes to Ananias and gives him a word for Paul. Watch this. Let's go to Acts 9, verse number 10. 
Now there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him the Lord said in a vision, Ananias. And he said, here I am, Lord. And so the Lord said to him, arise and go to the street called Straight and inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he is praying. And in a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hands on him so that he might receive his sight. Now Ananias is hearing this, but you all know the story about how Paul was persecuting the Jews at this time, so he wasn't too comfortable with this. So in verse 13, then Ananias answered, Lord, I've heard from many about this man, how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And in verse 14, he says, and, and here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who come on your name. But the Lord said to him, go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. Now watch this. For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. This is how Paul is called into ministry. How many of you would say, I'm ready to sign up? I'm ready. Where do I sign? The truth is, is it's difficult. And if you study scripture, you will find out that when we talk about the things that Paul went through, guys, the list is unreal. We read the list like it's just nothing. And what he writes in scripture will never describe the totality of the nights of anguish, the pain, the, the, the times he had no food and all the different things he went through to endure for the kingdom, traveling at a time where it wasn't like today where you get on a fancy boat and drive over with an engine. When they would drive, when they would get on a ship, they didn't know what weather was, what the weather was gonna do. They didn't know what was coming. So he had to endure so much to get the gospel out, but he was willing to do it. Now, I asked you just a while ago, how many of you'd like to be like Paul? And all of you were like, right? And I, that's me, I wanna do it. But I also understand that if that's your desire, there's a cost that comes with it. Well, you know, I don't have to do anything. Jesus did it all at the cross. Yes, Jesus did it all to make it all available to you. But listen, you still have to pick up your cross every day. Paul could have said, well, you know, Jesus did it all. I don't know. The gospel can get to Macedonia on its own. No, he didn't. He understood that there would be, there would be some stuff that he had to do. He had to get it there. And on the way, on the journey, things happened. Let's take a look. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 11 verse 22. We'll pick it up there. You guys all good this morning? Amen. I know this is not a shout me down message, but I think it's important. Amen. 2 Corinthians 11 verse 22. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they the seed of Abraham? So am I. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more, in labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequently, in deaths often. This is how he starts. Now you must understand, I want you to understand there are ministers and preachers and people coming to the church that have been going through all kinds of things and they're like, you know, well, Paul doesn't really know what he's talking about. Meanwhile, Paul has been through some stuff to get to where he is to get to the place where he's 
words and the things that God to reveal to him literally have become his God's word. And there are many people that will come with all kinds of different things. And Paul's saying, listen, they're going to boast about all of this. Let me tell you what, 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 I, what, I, what, what my qualifications are. Let me show you what, what I've had to endure to, to get this message to you that I'm bringing to you. Watch this now. So he says this. So let's take a little bit of a, a look at what this actually looks like. In 1 Corinthians 15, verse number 10, he gives us an idea of what he's talking about where he says, he actually says, labor's more abundant. 1 Corinthians 15, 10, he says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace towards me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly then they all, yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. If anybody tries to tell you when you become a Christian, don't worry, bank account money will just, money cometh unto me. Listen, you're still going to have to work. And you're going to have to work hard. And he will bless you and he can do supernatural stuff, absolutely. But don't think that you mustn't work hard. Paul says, listen, I worked harder than you all. Amen, he's still ready to sign up. When he talks about deaths, we don't know for a fact that Paul died, but he has an example from Acts 14, verse 19. Then Jews from Antioch and Iconium were there, or came there, and having persuaded the multitudes, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing him to be dead. So they supposed him to be dead. And he quotes and says, listen, I've actually died. So there's a good possibility that they didn't just suppose him to be dead, but he probably was dead. Now, God raised him from the dead. Raising people from the dead is not such a big deal. Brian's raised two people from the dead in the last month. You think I'm joking? I'm not. And I love it because God doesn't allow anyone to see it. So, like, nobody can say, like, well done, Brian. You're the man. You think I'm joking? Listen, the one guy was completely ice cold. He was dead. Okay. All right. It's okay, don't worry. Somewhere in South America, they would rejoice. Okay, let's carry on. When he talks about stripes, listen, he had some serious stripes, okay? When they striped people in those days, let me read to you what one commentator says. He says, the two hands of the criminal are bound to a post. Yes, they treated him as a criminal. And then the servant of the synagogue either pulls or tears off his clothes and leaves his breast and shoulders bare. A stone or block is placed behind him on which the servant that's going to scold him stands. He holds in his hands a scourge made of leather divided into four tails, the four little tails. He who scourges lays one third on the criminal's breast, another third on his right shoulder and another on his left. The man who receives the punishment is neither sitting or standing, but he's stooping. So he's kind of like stooping over and the guy gets on a block so he can have some good momentum and he whacks him with all of his might. So it was some serious punishment that he endured. He says that he received from the Jews in verse 24, he says, from the Jews... Five times I received 40 stripes. Five times I received 40 stripes. So four times he received 39 stripes. That's a lot of stripes, guys. 
Listen, when I was in school, we had corporal punishment and we got what was called six of the best. That's what they called it in those days. They would give you six. I think it made me a better person, just to be honest, okay? But here we're talking about 39 once and 40 four more times. So he was really absolutely attacked, you could pretty much say. Then in verse 25, he says, three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned, three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day, I have been in the deep. Listen, we read over this like it's nothing. Did you hear what it said? It says three times he was beaten with rods. They say that when he was beaten at one time, he was completely unrecognizable. But yet he continued to preach the gospel. Have you read what he writes about God? Do you ever see him say, God, why is this happening to me? There is one place where he says, Lord, he said, will you take this thorn away from me? Many of you want to say that it was a sin that he had. Now, maybe it was, but perhaps it was because the mob was following him everywhere he went. And he said, Lord, look, you know, can you stop these guys? Because I pretty much can't even be recognized anymore. I don't know. We don't know. There's no true evidence of exactly what the thorn was. But when he cried out to God, he said, listen, God, you know what? You know, three times I've come to you and I've dealt with you about this. But you've said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. And then he doesn't go, well, Lord, you know, that's just not good enough. You know, I, I don't think that that's right. How can you do that to me? Instead, he, 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 he acknowledges that, that, that he can continue, that he can do it, that he can manage all of this stuff. Listen, a shipwreck back then was not like a shipwreck today. In the break, one of my staff came and said, I actually was shipwrecked. Can you? It's terror. Everyone's no surprise. So, you know, she was in a shipwreck, okay? But like, yeah, there's life preservers, there's bodyguards, there's, you know, the, the coast guard. Back then, brother, when you get shipwrecked, you are all by yourself. What are the odds of surviving one? He was in three. At a time where being shipwrecked meant you're going to die. Because most of them probably couldn't even swim. And the one that's amazing because he, he tells us a story about how an angel came and told him, don't worry, not one of you will die. So, you know, the angel didn't come and said, listen, Paul, don't worry, I'll just pick you up and take you to the beach. No, they had to go through the shipwreck. They had to experience it and, and jump into the ocean that was raging and somehow be okay and make it to the shore. And then after he gets to the shore, a snake jumps out and bites him. And then the people think, oh, listen, it's over. He's going to die. But he doesn't die. But still, you know, we think that because he didn't die from the snake bite that it's okay. Listen, how would you have felt when the snake bit you? We just talk about the miracle and the miracle is awesome. But he did get bitten by a snake that was supposed to kill him. You might at some point in your life experience something that is supposed to kill you, but it doesn't. Amen. And even if it does, there is a greater glory waiting for you on the other side. Amen. But when you are seeking God, and even though you go through the storms, I want to tell you something. If your life is sold out to Him, you will not die one moment, one second before He's finished with everything He has in store for you. Because it's all working for Him. Can you say amen? All right, let me move on. 
So we see this stuff, and I mean, really, the list isn't actually finished, but I'm doing really badly with time. Let's just read it real quick. Verse 26, in journeys, often in perils of water, in perils of robbers, so he's robbed, in perils of my countrymen, in perils of Gentiles, so the Jews persecuted, the Gentiles persecuted him, perils in the city, they persecuted him. When he was in the wilderness, he got persecuted. The sea came against him, we know that. Where he says, in perils of the sea, in perils of false brethren, in weariness and toil, in sleeplessness. Often, if you can't sleep, you're not alone. In hunger and thirst, there were times he had no food, no water. In fastings, often, not always because he wanted to fast. In cold and nakedness. And at no point from what we can see does he say, I'm giving up. Does he say, this, you know, this. I'm not going to serve this kind of a God. Are you with me? Besides the other things, what comes upon me daily is my deep concern for all the churches. Listen, just to make that statement tells you that he's been through some stuff and he understands something that we don't yet. Well, let me say this. He understands something that I don't yet. Because to get to the point where he says, listen, these are all the things that have happened to you, but my greatest concern is none of that. It's actually the church. That's pretty awesome. How many of us can actually say that? We're more worried about our brothers and sisters, the people that we know, our fellow believers, than we are all the terrible things we're going through. Amen. He says in verse 29, who is weak? And I'm not, and, 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 and I am not weak. Who is made to stumble? And I do not burn with indignation. If I must boast, I will boast in the things which concern my infirmities. For God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who is blessed forever, knows that I'm not lying. He's saying, listen, I'm, I'm, this is the truth, guys. And then he goes on. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 4, verse number 8. This is the same Paul that's told us some of his experiences. This is just some of the stuff that he wrote because he wrote this before he died. And let me tell you, he died, he, he died, he was a martyr. So the list goes on. We don't read the whole list. Are you with me? But look at how he speaks. 2 Corinthians 4 verse number eight. We are hard pressed on every side. How many of you believe he was hard pressed? But we're not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. And then he says this, and this is so powerful. Always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus Christ, that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our bodies also. Because he understood that everything he was going through was actually causing him to change. Remember, for him to be able to say that statement after reading all that he had been through, to say that his biggest concern is actually the church, you know that all of that stuff that he'd been through has actually caused him to become something different. What has it caused him to become? It's caused him to become more like Jesus. More like Jesus. Paul says this, watch this, 2 Corinthians 4 verse number 16. This is so powerful. Therefore, we do not lose heart. When we go through stuff, guys, we do not lose heart. This is what he says. Even though our outward man is perishing, 
Yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light afflictions. He calls what he's been through light afflictions. Which is but for a moment is working for us. A far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Listen, there is so much waiting for you outside of just this life. If you're willing to run your race and keep on going, even when it gets tough, even when you have to stand up and speak the truth and be persecuted, even when you have to, when you have to make the right choices against the culture, all of that stuff, it will work for you and ultimately for your glory. But not only in eternity, while you're on this earth, all of that stuff that you go through will begin to change you. It will begin to transform you. Now, how can I say that? Watch this now. Romans 8, 28. This is Paul. He says, and we know that all things, everybody say all things. I want you to know that that list includes good things, bad things, difficult things, painful things, everything that you have gone through. He doesn't say some things. He specifically says all things work together for good to those who love God. And to those who are called according to his purpose, for whom he foreknew, he also predestined, watch here now, he foreknew you, predestined you to do something, to be conformed to the image of his son. In other words, God has called you to do great things, but in the journey of getting to become and do great things, you will be changed. And some of the things that you're going to go through will help you to be changed. They will actually work in your favor. Did God do it to you? No, that's not what I'm saying. God did not make that person die. God did not make that situation happen. God did not make that person come against you. But what he does is he takes it and he uses it for your good to ultimately bring you to a place of conformity where you become more and more like Jesus. Let me tell you something. Every person in this room knows pain in their own way. Some more than others, but no one can put a, a measurement on pain, okay? When I was 17 years old, in my final year of high school, my mom's father, my grandfather, was in his mid-60s, and him and I were so close, and he was shot and murdered outside his restaurant before he came to pick me up at the skating rink. Every Friday, I would go to his house. We were very, very close. That night, my father ended up coming to pick me up. I was, he, they were late. I didn't know why they were late. They would, he would normally actually come and pick me up. I'd be skating around, and this time, I was standing outside already. My dad came in through the one way, and when he came in through the one way, I knew that something was wrong. So instead of going around the way he was supposed to, he just shot right across the front, and I was like, oh, my gosh, something's wrong. And I got in the car, and he said to me, your grandfather's been shot. And I said to him, I remember, I, remember the, I remember the conversation 100%. I said to him, is he dead? He said to me, yes, he's dead. And I couldn't believe it. I didn't know how to handle it. The pain was just so bad. That, and I remember my mom was so close to him that when we got to the restaurant, I said, I can't go inside. I can't see mom. I, just, I, can't, I, can't, I don't want to see her. I can't look at her. And she actually came to the window of my car, and she was absolutely hysterical. You know, so, you know, it was so unexpected, you know, just so suddenly, just murdered, just like that. A few years later, my dad, who's actually sitting over there, his sister, who was an absolutely incredible person, my aunt, just the most beautiful, wonderful, giving, loving person, 
was shot execution style in her home. And it was painful, guys. When I started in ministry, I thought, listen, everything is just going to be rosy and peachy. It's going to be so easy. Listen, I went through stuff. And then I thought, I'm going to run away from that stuff and come to America. And it's going to just be so easy. There's a land of the free and the land of the brave and the land of opportunity. I came in 2008, the year of recession. I had just bought a business. I had to do everything myself. I had, to, I had, to, I had employees. I, could, I had to do everything. It was so hard. I struggled. I, I, I couldn't pay my stuff. I, was, I thought I'm going to have to go back to Africa. It was just difficult. And then I started to do really well. The business turned around and business was doing great. And then while I'm, 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 I'm doing the greatest business deal of my life and I'm feeling completely miserable, I finally got to the place where I cried out to God and said, listen, I've been from the worst to the best place, but I still feel totally miserable without you. And through all of this stuff, and I can't share it all with you, there's not enough time. How much time do you have? <laughs> You're cheeky, you guys. <laughs> I remember, <laughs> that was, you got me by surprise there. You actually got me, good job. <laughs> I just remember being in that place thinking to myself, if I don't serve God now, if I don't give Him all, if I don't follow Him now, I, I don't even want to live. And I wasn't thinking about ministry. When I was a young minister, I wanted opportunity so bad. I wasn't ready. I don't think I'm ready now. But then when I just, when, when my heart began to totally change, every door opened on its own. It's like God had prepared me. It's not that God did any of that. All of the stuff that I did was my choice and the experiences that I went through had an effect on my heart and changed my heart. People in your life, your wife, <laughs> let's rather do it like this, your husband, <laughs> that creeps on bringing the worst out of you is exactly what you need. Oh Lord, you know, I, need, I, I don't want to curse anymore. I don't want to do this anymore. I, I, I want to change, Lord. Pastor, whenever I get around my husband and he does that, you know, he makes me curse. He makes me do all that. Exactly. You should give him some money. And say, thank you, you're on payroll. One of the, a lot of the... <laughs> Because he's actually helping you instead of wanting to divorce him. Okay, let's, let's leave that. Okay. All right, let's, let's move on. Okay. Everything is working for you. Everything is working for you, even those hard things. I said to Naomi, Naomi and I just recently went through something that was extremely difficult for us to deal with, like really difficult. And I was sitting at an event where we were going through this stuff. And I'm sitting there and, and, and what's coming out of my heart is like, I'm thinking to myself, buddy, you're a pastor. This emotion is bad. You know, it's like really, really not good. And then I'm thinking, never mind pastor, no believer should be thinking this way. You would have thought much worse than me, man. I'm just telling you, being open, is that okay? And, and I knew that, that while this is happening on the inside of me, I had to deal with it. I had to make a choice of how I'm going to respond to what I'm experiencing. Am I, I going to allow it to spew out of me and am I going to go on the attack or am I going to go through it? 
and change from it because something came up in my heart that I realized needs to change. Amen. It's not going to always be easy. God wants the best for you. He wants to prosper you. He wants to bless you. But while you're going through the stuff, He's going to use it for His glory. He's going to use it for His glory. Romans 8, 28. Let's just read it again. No. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 12, verse number 10. Let's go there. We've already covered that. 2 Corinthians 12. Verse number 10. Watch this. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches. Listen, I take pleasure in sicknesses. I take pleasure in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Because in those moments, while you're going through all of that, He is changing you. And you are learning to rely on His strength. You are learning to rely on His power, on His might to get you through this. Listen, the peace that surpasses understanding doesn't mean you're going to be having peaceful times all the time. A peace that surpasses understanding means that while you're going through hell, you are able to endure because He is with you. That's what He means. James says it like this in James 1, verse number 2, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. And then he says this, he throws this in. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. And I think to myself, this is awesome. We can ask God to give us wisdom. We can ask God to give us patience and all this stuff. But you must understand that when you're asking for these things, there is a strong possibility that the only time that you'll really be able to see whether it's there is when you're going through testing. That's why he says, count it all joy. And I've got news for you. If you keep asking God to change something in you, which we should be asking Him, until we overcome it, we'll probably keep going through it. Because God wants to change you, your heart. He wants it to be more for Him, to be more like Jesus. Jesus paid the ultimate price for you and I. He gave it all. Can you say amen? And I've got so much scripture. Let me just, let me, let me, let me, let me. I, I should have done, I should have done a two-week part, but the problem is it's one of those messages where I've got to get to the end in order for it all to make sense. And I'm hoping so far that, that you're with me, you guys. Okay. Paul says this in Philippians 3, verse number 10. He says that I may know him. And the power of his resurrection. All's really good right now. But then he says, and the fellowship of his suffering. Why? So that we can be conformed to his death. That's the true Christian life. Being changed. Come on, that's the truth. I'm not going to preach. It's the truth. But the reward is far greater and exceeds anything you could have on this earth. 
I can't imagine what it must have been like to be Paul at the end of his life when he knew that he was about to be killed. Knowing all the people's lives that he had touched, everything he'd been through, he was ready. He was ready to go and be with the Father. You know, the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 13, verse number four, love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. Is not puffed up. Does not behave rudely. Does not seek its own. Is not provoked. Thinks no evil. Does not rejoice in infirmity, but rejoices in the truth. Bears all things. Believes all things. Hopes all things. Endures all things. Love never fails. Where there are prophecies, they will fail. With your tongues, they will cease. Where there is knowledge, it will vanish away. How many of you know that everything Jesus did was motivated by love? Everything we do is often questionable. Not necessarily everything, but oftentimes it's questionable. I was reading a book that really inspired me here. And the, and the author said this. He said, Replace love with the name Jesus. Take a look at it. Let's look at that. Let's put it up there and just say, Jesus suffers long and is kind. Jesus does not envy. Jesus does not parade himself. He's not puffed up. He does not behave rudely. He does not seek his own. He's not provoked. He thinks no evil. He does not rejoice in infirmity. He rejoices in the truth. He bears all things, but no matter what the cost. He believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Jesus never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will fail. Where there are tongues, they will cease. And where there's knowledge, it will vanish away. You must understand that if you read that list of stuff, and you put his name there. I want to ask you a question. Can you put your name there? Because I don't endure all things. I, I'm, I'm not always like that. But I'm thankful to know that if I run my race and go after God, that I believe that he will help me to become more and more like that. And listen, even the bad things that you go through, as horrible as they are, nobody wants you, no one's wishing anything on you. But know this, that God will use it for the good. All things work together for the good. All things. And God will use it for His glory and for your glory. He will use it for who you will be and what you will be on this earth and into eternity. He will. He will use everything that happens to you to change you more and more into the image of Christ. So those of you that are maybe even now going through a difficult time, you're in good company, okay? Hang on, endure, you'll get through it. When you lose someone, when you go through pain, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with asking why, but I want you to understand that even that will ultimately help you to become stronger, to become more like Jesus. 
When Jesus heard about Lazarus, the Bible says that he wept. Many people interpret that in many different ways. I'm not even going to discuss that. The fact of the matter is grieving is normal. You can grieve when someone hurts, when someone passes away, when you go through hurt. But I want you to know that it all ultimately will make you stronger and will cause you to become more like Christ if you walk with Him. Let's bow our heads. Father, I thank you so much. I thank you for all the good times, Lord. It's hard to thank you for the hard times sometimes. But I thank you that you have kept us here, that you are still working on us. You've given us more time so that we can change even more to be more like Jesus. I'm so grateful that there is none like you, that your love endures forever. There is no greater love than the love that you have shown us by laying your life down for us. Now, Father, in return, we say, here we are, Lord. Send us as well. Use us for your glory. And Lord, I pray that every hardship and experience we go through, don't let it be wasted. Let it change us. Holy Spirit, that all those things we endure, hardships, challenges, persecutions, painful things, that you will use it to mold us and mend us into ultimately what you've called us to be and do. I know that our greatest calling is to be more like Jesus. We love you, we honor you, we thank you and we praise you. Now I pray for each and every one of you and before I release you, I just pray the peace of God, his love and his mercy to comfort you. And when you go through these things, you need to know that the word says clearly he will never leave you never forsake you and know that no matter what he will use what you're going through to ultimately help you I know sometimes we can't see how but he does he changes us Father I thank you I pray that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that the love of the Father and the fellowship with the Holy Spirit be with each and every person in this place in the mighty name of Jesus Amen and Amen God bless you